0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
5: A really low. Welcome to Las Vegas. For the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Easton Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. So in the second segment, we're going to be joined by Jake Asman. He does a great job over there at ESPN 97.5 if you're out there. In the great state of Texas, you're able to catch him every afternoon, three to seven p.m. Central Time. If you're out here Pacific Time, that is one to five p.m. He does the show. The Wheelhouse does a terrific job over there. Also does great work at Sports Map Radio. We're going to be looking at some of the top teams out there in the American League. Obviously, the Houston Astros, the New York Yankees. Also going to talk about the Mets as well. He's actually a man that was born and raised in the state of New York. How these top teams have been able to get the job done, and now. Managing, it still matters in this day and age of baseball, so... We're going to be having that chat with Jake in the second segment and then in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one of two ways, we we'll offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Junet underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, yeah, they mean does not matter. So, as per usual, please send these into the timeline and the other way, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this this podcast. If I had that five-star review, mainly the questions I wound up getting was on the Cincinnati Reds game that wound up getting called after I believe it was seven innings against the Arizona Diamondbacks and now wind up going a full nine if you want to placing a totals bet or pretty much any bet that didn't involve the money line. This includes the run line. Everything that was a full game bet aside from that money line should have been a refund. If it was not a refund, check your house rules, but most likely it probably should have been slash it is going to be forthcoming. There's going to be some sort of revision there. So that'll keep things nice, clean and easy there. Once again, check house rules before you wind up firing in emails or anything like that and do not shoot the messenger on this one. But that said, you probably should have gotten a refund if it was anything other than the money line in that game. But let's take a look back at what we wound up seeing from a very small slate on Monday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better.
6: A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap.
5: Though the game did not wind up going a full nine innings, the Reds still did wind up getting the job done against Arizona. This was called after the seventh inning, and the Reds only put up three runs in that seventh inning, seven to zero. They wind up taking down the Arizona Diamondbacks as. Taylor Widener came in for one and two-thirds innings after, well, it was a tough one for Madison Bumgarner, giving up four runs in five innings, including home run, going deep for the Cincinnati Reds. Brandon Drury, his 10th home run season, and for the Reds in their last 20 home games, they've gotten to at least four runs in 19 of them, and Hunter Green, who has had... A tough time this season. He entered into this game giving up 2.7 home runs per nine innings. Seven scoreless innings giving up one hit. No walks. So the Aarons and the Diamondbacks were just completely befuddled in this one. The Seattle Miners, they befuddled the Houston Astros by a count of seven of four eyes for Seattle. They were able to get off to a very good start in this game with Cal Raleigh. Going deep off of one and Christian his Sixth home run season for Avier. Not long for this game. Three and two-thirds innings gives up five runs, all of which were earned. Did have Hector Neris give up two runs in his two-thirds of an inning, including home run going deep for the Seattle Mariners. One Julio Rodriguez, his seventh home run of the season. Russell bullpen was solid. You did wind up having Ryan Stanek along with Parker Muschinski and Phil Maiden. I'll give you a scoreless inning. Brian Ray, he was able to give you an out of the bullpen, and you got four outs from Seth Martinez. And for the Seattle Mariners, you did wind up having a relatively solid performance here from Robbie Ray, aside from the fact that all his runs given up were pretty much on home runs. Going deep for the Houston Astros in this one. Kyle Tucker, 10th home run season. Chaz McCormick, his sixth. Jose Altuve, he winds up going deep for his 11th. I believe that you wound up having two solo shots and a two-run shot as Ray, four runs, three, which were earned, given up over the course of five innings. Penn Murphy and Ryan Baruki though, they combined for two scoreless settings, and then Sergio Romo, Diego Casio. They're both able to give you a scoreless setting to be able to get this one to the window. Being able to get to the window as well, the Toronto Blue Jays, who have now scored four-plus runs in 12 out of their last 13 games. They take down the Kansas City Royals, 8-0 in this one. I believe the Blue Jays are 9-3 in their last 12, as for the Blue Jays, Slager O'Jr. Jr. goes deep in this one off of Daniel Lynch, 13th home run season. Lynch gives one up to Boba Shett, 9th home run season, and Lynch gives one up to... Santiago Espinal, His fifth home run of the campaign as Lynch. Tagged for six runs, all of which were earned on three home runs. Five and two-thirds innings for him. Dwell Pye up be able to give you four outs out of the bullpen. He allowed an under run in the process. Jose Kouas winds up giving in an out out of the bullpen. And Albert Breu goes for one and two-thirds innings, giving up a run. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, how about Ross Stripling? He winds up getting the start, gives up one hit in five innings. And then you wind up having Matt Gage, Trent Thornton, Trevor Richards, and Julia Merriweather. All be able to give you scoreless innings. of the Boston Red Sox played a game of leaser with the LA Angels, as the Angels have now lost 12 straight games, 1-0 at the final. Can't blame this one on Noah Syndergaard. He's a tough luck loser. Gives up one run in six innings. Jimmy Ergut gives you two scoreless innings. Andrew Watts, a scoreless inning. But, boy, Mike Trout, he was able to get his first hit in nearly an eon in this. One snapping an 0 for 26 funk they are coming into this one. But no runs for the LA Angels. Michael Wacca. Nine scoreless innings, complete game for him. Gave up three hits along the way. So Boston Red Sox back above 500 for the first time since I believe the first week of the season. And for the LA Angels, well, it's not going well for them. And well, it did not wind up going well for the San Diego Padres. 11 to five, the Mets take down the Padres as Blake Snell walked in a run in the first inning, gave up five runs, four of which were earned over the course of his four innings. Did wind up getting three innings of scoreless relief out of Stephen Wilson, but then the levy broke for the bullpen. Timo. Craig Salmon, over the course of two innings, combined to give up six runs, including a bomb going deep for the Mets. Eduardo Escobar, and Eduardo Escobar goes deep for his fifth home run of the season. I believe that he wanted going off for the cycle in this one as well. So, he wound up having himself a very, very big game. Six RBI, Carlos Carrasco, very good start out of him. Ten punch-outs. winds up giving up two runs over the course of seven innings. And then, did have Joey Rodriguez give up two runs in a third of an inning, and Drew Smith, Gives up a one-run in his one and two-thirds innings. Is going deep off of him. Luke White fifth home run the season. So that was relatively brutal for the Padres. But the Mets, now 38-19. and Best record out there in the National League. And if you're taking a look at everything that we're seeing in baseball right now, pretty much two overs to two unders because the Reds game was void with regards to the total. But... Right now, 51.9% of games have been going under this MLB season, 397 unders to 368 overs. And if you're taking a look at how underdogs are doing, 40.2%. the season, But it's been a little bit tough on underdogs in the last seven days. You take a look at it and they are 33 and 56 straight up. That is 37.1% in these last seven days, by the way. 49 overs to 39 unders. And if you're taking a look at the entirety of the MLB season, home favorites having a tough time of it on the run line as home favorites are 301 and 211 straight up. So winning at a 58.8% clip, but Among these home favorites, 95 have won by approximately one run to not cover the run line. So that's what we're all seeing in baseball right now. And that's what we wound up seeing on Monday. Now coming up next, we're going to talk about some of the top teams out there in the American League, including a team in the Houston Astros who currently has one of the best bullpen arrays that you're able to find out there in the big leagues and have had good pitching in general. We're going to be talking about that with Jake Asman with 97.5 ESPN. We're also going to be talking with him about the Yankees and the Mets next right here on the baseball betting show with myself, Craig Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast.
2: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make
8: him an offer he can't refuse. With family I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play
0: the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: At bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run. Every hit. Every inning. Every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
7: is uncanny usa
6: he says somebody's in the house and i screamed
7: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
2: attention all wrestling aficionados wrestling with freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season
0: This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And
5: we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the VC family of podcasts. And it is great to be joined by our guests as we go out there to the great state of Texas. And that's where we find Jake Asman. He is doing a terrific job hosting every Monday through Friday for their show, The Wheelhouse. That is from 3 to 7 p.m. Central Time every Monday through Friday. He also does some work over there at Sports Map Radio hosting. The Jake Asman Show, and to be able to follow Jake on Twitter can't be much more easier than this. Jake Asman, his first and last name all together, and Jake, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you.
4: Great. Thanks for having me, and congrats on being part of the Beeson family now. That's awesome. It
5: is great to have you aboard, and it is great that... We have been able to see so much high quality baseball from the Houston Astros this year as well. And what I think is really the surprise with the Astros is how great the pitching has been. Because you're in a euro, you know what to expect out of the bats, Jose Altuve, Michael Bradley, Alex Fragman. List goes on and on. Jordan Alvarez who wanted picking a new deal. Can't forget about him. But I mean, how surprised have you been with regards to his pitching? Because I thought it'd be improved this year. I didn't think it would be to the point where the bullpen and the starting pitching. We'll be combining for Ear, the number one ERA out there in baseball, and as we
4: do this podcast, bullpen ERA still first in all of the MLB. Yeah, it's just been tremendous, and a lot of conversation coming into the year was, "Well, what's Justin Verlander going to be?" Considering the fact he's coming off Tommy John, he's 39 years old, and he threw six total innings the last two years, and he's been one of the best pitchers in the game. He is continues to he continued to look like the guy that when he last pitched the full season won the Cy Young Award back in 2019. So he's been great. Fromber Valdez has been excellent. They continue to get really good starts from Luis Garcia. Jose Arquiti is capable of giving them a really good outing. Eventually, they're going to get back Lance McCullers Jr. and Jake Odorizzi. You know, you, you never want to have too much pitching, but the Astros actually might have too many pitchers. They have seven or eight guys you could legitimately pencil in and feel good about uh, going forward. So that's the rotation. And the bullpen continues to be excellent. You talked about it, you know, introducing me there. Uh, this pitching has been the biggest strength of the team. The offense has not hit the way most people expected the Astros' offense to hit to this point. So the pitching has really carried them here, and you know that's been the biggest key to the Astros being a first-place team, you know, a third of the way through the season.
5: Yeah, it's been incredible to take a look at the Houston Astros pitching in. I think that's just going to be so big, especially down the stretch as well, because you mentioned the fact that the Astros might have a little bit too much pitching, but as we know, when it comes to a 162-game baseball season, you'd much rather have a little bit too much, depth rather than a little bit too little, because we always see it with teams, they wind up having some injuries, and I think that that's really what's been happening with regards to the New York Yankees as well. They were able to have a nice series against the Detroit Tigers, but I think that we both agree the Detroit Tigers... They're a little bit of a downtrodden team. They've been dealing with a couple of injuries out there with regards to their bullpen, but I take a look at things, and I do think that right now, in terms of the American League, it's a very clear 1-2 with the Yankees find themselves the number one team out there. Astros, a pretty clear number two, however you want to order it. I've got the Yankees number one. I've got the Astros number two. I'm not sure if you've got any disagreement there, but I do think that when it comes down to it, I think that pitching depth might be what winds up being a determining factor between these two teams if they do hook up
4: in a series. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the Yankees right now would be one. Houston would be two. But the Yankees got to prove they can beat the Astros. That'd be the thing I'd say. The last uh, three times the Yankees have met the Astros – in the playoffs, the Astros have won. Now it's a totally different team than you know the team that they you know matched up with in 2015 or even 2017, and of course 2019. Garrett Cole wasn't a Yankee yet, but you know, the point is the Astros are battle tested. They've been to the World Series three of the last five years. They've been to the ALCS five years in a row. Well, the Yankees right now look like not just the best team in the AL, but maybe the best team in baseball. They got to go out there and they got to prove it uh, that they, they can get it done against a very good. Houston team.
5: Yep it's going to be so interesting to take a look at these two moving forward and we're going to see a few series from the Astros and the Yankees before the end of the regular season as well and those are going to be a lot of fun as we do have Jake Aspen joining me on the podcast and we talked about the pitching of both of those teams and both squads have been utilizing guys that they haven't necessarily found themselves in as many high leverage spots in the past. Nasty Nestor, Nestor Cortez. He's a young guy that I just still remember. He wound up having like a nine ERA with the Seattle Manors a few years ago. Luis Garcia is someone that he wound up having a little bit of a rough 2021 postseason himself. The Astros do have a few guys out there in the bullpen that they haven't necessarily been in super high leverage spots. And thus far this year, they haven't been able to do a solid job. How much is it a concern on? really both sides that we've got a lot of young pitchers, really both for the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros, that they might be a little bit less proven. And just being able to sustain through a 162-game season, I think might be critical for both of these staffs.
4: Yeah, I just look at injury. That, to me, is the only concern. You know, can both can both pitching staffs, you know, stay healthy? You know, specifically with the Yankees. I mean, the, the Yankees pitching last year was the biggest strength of their team. And that was the only reason why they made the playoffs last year. Their offense didn't hit. And even this year, they... You know, the, other than Aaron Judge, who's had an MVP season, there's a bunch of guys in that Yankee lineup you could point to and say they're not hitting to the back of their baseball card. Like, DJ LeMajor's a lot better than a 250 something hitter. You know, Josh Donaldson, Giancarlo Stanton, those guys are going to hit a lot more. Anthony Rizzo's going to hit a lot more. So the biggest question for the Yankees would be, you know, the health of their starting rotation, because big question coming in was Jamison Tyone staying healthy, Luis Severino staying healthy. Nestor Cortez might be one of the great stories in all of sports. I mean, this guy was DFA'd twice, this is a guy that was a 38th round pick, and here he is with a 1 5 BRA. So, uh, you know, obviously injuries is a factor for every team, but you're talking about a Yankees team that has some guys that have had injury question marks. So, I'd say the health of, you know, their top players and specifically with the pitching, that's going to be a big key because even right now, this Yankees bullpen, they already lost Chad Green for the year. Aroldis Chapman's on the injured list. Jonathan Lewisica's on the injured list. So, Uh, They're pretty beat up, yet all they do is still win. It's really unbelievable just how well the Yankees have played.
5: And how much do you think it might be actually a little bit of a benefit that the Yankees are in such a tough division? Because I still remember last year, a big reason why I felt like the White Sox didn't wind up having a very good postseason is that they wound up being able to put their foot off of the pedal because, well, everyone else out there in the AL Central, they were very non-competitive. And going into Monday with the LA Angels losing 11 straight games, It went from the Astros really being in a little bit of a battle with the Angels for that number one spot. Now they're eight and a half games clear. And I do recognize that the Yankees, they themselves, entered in Monday, seven and a half games up on the Toronto Blue Jays, but you know that they're not going to fade away. Boston Red Sox have been able to pick it up, the Tampa Bay Rays. They are the Tampa Bay Rays. They are not going to be fading away into the abyss anytime soon. And how much you think it might actually be a little bit of a benefit that they are going to be dealing with teams like the Blue Jays, the Rays moving forward, and to a little bit of a lesser extent, the Red Sox in terms of a divisional hunt that the Astros might not wind up finding themselves in?
4: Yeah, I think it's huge. I really do. Your competition you play... That matters, and you use the White Sox example. I think it's a spot-on example. The Yankees are going to come and battle test it. You know, they there. You look at the American League right now. You have four teams in the American League East that would be in the playoffs if the postseason started today. The Red Sox would be the last wild card team, and they're at 500. Then you have the Twins in the Central and the Astros out of the West, and you know, there's your playoff format right now. So the fact of the matter is, you got four teams from one division that would be set to make the postseason right now. It just shows you what a gauntlet the AL East is. I mean, the the Rays are outstanding. The Blue Jays are outstanding. The Red Sox were in the ALCS a year ago, and I know they've been up to a rough start, but they played some great baseball the last month to make up for that abysmal start. So I think the fact that the Yankees go through the gauntlet that is the AL East, that's only going to help them come playoff time. And
5: what is really insane is that deadliest team out there in the American League East, the Baltimore Orioles. they've actually got more wins abo- against teams that are at or above 500 than Pretty much all but two or three teams out there in the American League. The New York Yankees certainly on that list, but because the Orioles have had to play against such tough competition, that's why they find themselves 33 losses. You put them in the AL Central, not saying that they would be ahead of the Minnesota Twins right now, but you just never know. They've actually been a little bit of an improved team, as we do have Jake Asman Does a terrific job over there at Sports Map Radio along with ESPN 97.5. He's joining me on the podcast, and then, like I said, you're a man that you hail out there. From the great state of new york and just want to get your take on what we've seen from the new york mets as far because going into Monday, leading the National League in terms of record. It's been a great go of it for them, and they've had thus far a pretty good West Coast road trip, taking the final two games of the series against the LA Dodgers. I think that there's fair concern with regards to the injuries that they've sustained with regards to their starting rotation. Could be a case in which, if they don't wind up getting guys back soon, that could wind up hurting them a little bit, but I've been thoroughly impressed by this team thus far. They've been doing the little things right, and I think that Buck Showalter is right now making all
4: the difference in the
5: world for this New York Mets team.
4: I agree. I think if I held a manager of the year vote right now, I'd vote for Buck. I just in case presence means the world for the Mets to be in first place, playing as well as they're playing, and they didn't have they haven't had Jacob Degrom all year. They've lost Max Scherzer for the extended future, and they just find a way. I mean, this offense is ridiculous. The Mets, who could never hit with two outs and a runner in scoring position, I believe are first in Major League Baseball in that category. You know They've had so many come from behind wins. Pete Alonso is having an MVP caliber season. There's a lot to feel great about with the Mets, but I think it starts with Buck Showalter. They finally have a professional manager, a guy that's been there, done that, leading the way. His impact has made a huge, huge difference in this Mets team being a first-place team a third of the way through the season.
5: Yeah, it has been absolutely amazing to take a look at it as well. And I do think that when you take a look at a lot of the top teams out there in Major League Baseball, a lot of these teams... That they are able to win these titles. They are able to advance in the month of October. A lot of them do wind up having good managers. Like, I take a look at the Houston Astros, where you're based out of Dusty Baker. One of the guys I really respect in Major League Baseball. I think that ever since he's gotten to Houston, he's actually been a little bit better with regards to his pitcher and bullpen use that he was even back while he was with teams like the Cincinnati Reds, the San Francisco Giants. I think that for as much flack as Aaron Boone winds up taking, I think that he's done a relatively solid job with the New York Yankees. always does a good job of being able to fire those guys up as well. And I do think that it's a big deal because we always take a look at the guys on the field. And, that is of big impact, and I mean, obviously, with the New York Mets, it's showing very clearly right there how big of an impact it is. And I do think that's something that it just winds up getting lost on a lot of people. And right
4: now, we're seeing the Mets be able to reap the benefits of it. I agree. I think your manager it matters. Now, I think it really matters uh, come playoff time, especially, but. The, the value of a really good manager in the regular season matters too, and, and Bucks done a tremendous job with them, that Met team. Yep,
5: yeah, and I think that it's gonna be interesting to see how the Phillies wind up being able to look moving forward as well, because they wind up canning, as you know, Joe Girardi over the weekend. We did wind up seeing the Phillies be able to sweep that series over the LA Angels as well. But what did you wind up making out of that whole ordeal? Because I feel like it was a case in which Joe Girardi wasn't necessarily the problem, but at the same time, the Phillies organization just wanted to get the attention of the players, trying to put a little bit of fire in their bellies for lack of a better term and I feel like that's why the decision w- was made not necessarily just the fact that Joe Girardi was like a poor manager or anything like that I feel like that was a little bit more of a fire up move I don't know if you wound up having any thoughts in terms of that but I thought it was a little bit
4: curious that the Phillies wound up making the move when they wound up doing so yeah I agree look I don't think Joe Girardi did a great job there obviously well at the same time I mean this team that they gave him has a poor bullpen And they don't play good defense. And when you don't have that, that's going to make any manager look really bad. Then Harper gets hurt. He can no longer play the field. So you have, you know, your outfield alignment just as terrible defensively with Castellanos and Schwarber having to play. And, you know, obviously the bullpen's been terrible long before Girardi, and it probably will still be bad now after Girardi. So tough spot. Joe didn't do a great job there by any means, but I don't know if Rob Thompson, who's now the interim manager, is going to come in and feel he's going to magically start winning. You know, they're a team with a very high payroll, but they were poorly constructed. So I'm curious to see just how big of a difference a new manager is going to make in Philadelphia. Yep,
5: I do agree with you. And Rob Thompson, not to be confused with Rob Thomas, who wound up playing some very good hits with Matchbox 20. I remember him from back in the day, now 50 years old. And Jake, I know something that you do very well is just taking a look at a little bit of everything. You're out there in the great city of Houston. I know you've got a lot to talk about this off season in terms of the Houston Rockets along with the Houston Texans. But on top of that, you're doing a great job taking a look at Major League Baseball. And on top of that, I know you do some great work over there at Sports Map Radio. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you
4: and how people can follow along with all your shows on social media and other platforms. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jake Ashman. And if you're a New York sports fan or a Houston sports fan, I post clips every day about New York and Houston sports on my YouTube channel. Just search Jake Asman, you can find me there. And Jake doing absolutely amazing work out there in the great city of
5: Houston, a place in which I actually wound up spending his summer a few years ago as well. Jake does an absolutely terrific job holding it down. Jake is going to need to stay cool because I know that it's going to get very humid there during the summertime, but he is heating up. He is heating up the sports landscape with regards to Houston, does an absolutely terrific job with all of his shows, and always brings it on this podcast. Big thanks to Jake for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the BC Family Podcast. And so coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you a big, some analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we catch them all.
0: This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
5: And we're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast, it is always a pleasure to get Jake Asman on the show. He does a terrific job over there with 97.5 ESPN in the lovely city of Houston. Certainly has been an interesting year thus far for the Houston Astros, one of the best teams out there in the American League, so good to get a up there, and he is a man that hails from the great state of New York, and got a pair of teams that are rocking and rolling out there in the city that never sleeps, so always great to get that perspective from Jake. A big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all.
4: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on
5: it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gnet underscore 81. Going to be going then Las Vegas rotation or This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and got quite a few interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. We did have one writing game that is going to be at the bottom. Since there is now going to be a doubleheader between the Rangers and the Cleveland Guardians, since their game on Monday, want to King wash out. Even though that game is at the bottom, I'm just going to do both of those all together, just because I don't want to go through the same lineup twice for pretty much a similar handicap with regards to a lot of the position players, everything like that. Us, we'll keep things a little bit easier there. So, we're going to be beginning with 901, 902 on the bang board. The Arizona Diamondbacks at the road, they're going to be facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. Graham Ashcraft is going to be going for the Reds. This game is off the board because it is to be determined for the Arizona Diamondbacks. It is looking like Tyler Gilbert but as yet to be confirmed. As a result this is a game that is off the board but figuring that we're going to get the gentleman that threw a no-hitter last year in Gilbert. I want to make in the Reds minus 134 in this spot and a total to where a 10 or less I'd be looking at an over and 10.5 or higher to the under and a big reason why is because this Reds team has really everything going on at home in terms of offense. Going into. Yesterday, 19 out of their last 20 home games, they had scored at least four plus runs. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is a lineup that is averaging 1.6 home runs in road games thus far this season. That is the most out there. In the big leagues now with Arizona. They are still in the bottom five in terms of batting average in Major League Baseball, but Tartan Varsho, he's able to hit right around at 250 for the team. Christian Walker, not necessarily getting on base, but 14 home runs from him. David Peralta, Alec Thomas, they're starting to get on base. Keitel Marte has a 330 on base. Josh Ross, wanted missing much of the year. He's back at the fold. And take a look at Cincinnati, and you've got someone like a Tyler Stevenson, who's been able to do a solid job hitting nearly a 300 along with Alberto Mora Jr., Kyle Farmer. He's been able to hit four home runs over the last, I would say, 10 days or so. You know, Brandon Drury, up to 10 bombs as well. So, very capable offenses. A pair of bullpens are in the bottom eight in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Now, you do have a couple of trustworthy guys for the years. of the I'm a actual has been able to do a solid job, along with even someone like a Sean Poppin. But Mark Melanson and company have been terrible. And then you take a look at the Reds. And Alexis Diaz is starting to regress. You just have not been able to get anything out of guys like Hunter Strickland and company. And you do take a look at Ashcraft. And he has been able to do a tremendous job, not this much of a swing and miss guy for the Cincinnati Reds, but the Reds have been able to win every one of his starts as far as 17 and two-thirds innings. He's kept the ball in the yard, giving up just one arm run. Now, the nine strikeouts, that is a little bit of an issue. You'd like to see a little bit more swing and miss, and for Gilbert, he wound up throwing a no-hitter last season, despite the fact that he himself not necessarily too much of a swing and miss guy. His last appearance at the big league level wound up coming in the middle of May against the LA Daughters, and Take a look at Gilbert at the minor league level, north of a five ERA. His career ERA at the big league level is right around a 3.70. He's in a little bit of a juice ball league, so that has a little bit to have to do with that. But that's it also in his last year. he did wind up giving up four home runs in five and two thirds innings. So this is a guy that does wind up giving up a little bit of hard contact as a result. Made the Diamondbacks a plus 134 underdog, minus 134 on the Reds, and 10 or less looking over 10 and a half higher to the under. We go to 903, 904 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals hit the red face off against the Miami Marlins. Edward Cabrera is going to be going for the fish. And Yohan Adon is going to be on the bump for Washington. Washington is a pretty sizable underdog in this fight. You're finding them in between about a plus 150 to a plus 155. Meanwhile, with Miami, any between minus 163 and minus 170 is your price with your total between 8 and eight and a half, On the 8 and half, under is minus 120. The over is even on the 8. Over Any between minus 115 and 120. Under any between even a minus 105. And... With Ioan Don, it, it has not been going well from this season. In all but two of his starts, the... Washington Nationals have lost by at least three runs. There's one straight-up win to his credit, and there's one loss of one run also up there as well. But for you on a own, even though it's been a little bit better for him recently, it's not like this is the guy that you could trust in. In 11 starts at 1-9 record with a 598 ERA. It's not too terrific, and it's not even like he's giving up a lot of deep balls. I mean, his home runs per nine rate is right around a one, but the big thing with him, walks. Over five walks. For nine innings, he has given up at least four walks and now three out of his last five starts, so uh, it's not too terrific for him and he's backed up by a bullpen that it's not special. Tannerini has been able to give you a couple solid innings at Espino no. a long guy right around a two-ish ERA, but Steve checking north of a four ERA. Victor Arano's rocking a 5 ERA. Josh Rogers has not been too terrific. Now, for the Miami Marlins, this team is also in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of ERA, but Anthony Bender has been a little bit up and down. Anthony Bass, he's been able to do a solid job. You take a look at someone like a Tanner Scott, it's been a little bit of a bust-a-rooney for he and Cole Sulzer north of a 4 ERA for them, but Stephen Okert now has a 2 ERA. And for the Miami Marlins, this is a team that they are very capable of being able to get on base. You've got Garrett Cooper now hitting right around 300 for this bunch. Ode Hilaire only getting a 215, but He's been able to supply 11 home runs. He's a right around a 250 average. You've been able to have Sanchez start to pick it up recently. Jazz Chislam, he's been able to go deep eight times. Batting average is a little bit of a downer, but you've got now Brian De La Cruz, who's been back and full. He's been able to give you a little bit of something. And for the Nationals, the issue for this team isn't really getting on base. Josh Bell is sitting right around 300, and then we've got a trio of guys. Yadier Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez, Mikael Franco. i between a 270 to a 275. Keep out Weaves, Nelson Cruz that <laughs> They're in that pocket about a 250 to a 255 and you need more out of Juan Soto. He's gotten 12 home runs and just 21 RBI hitting a 230, though he does have a 371 on base, but still, it's not necessarily been the year that you'd expect from a guy that's in the MVP Honda and for Edward Cabrera has spent much of the year at the minor league level. has been relatively solid there and in his first start of the season against the Colorado Rock he's on the road. Six scoreless settings, giving up one at Command is a little bit of an issue. Gave up four walks, but this guy has some electrifying stuff. I think that even though. It's just the second start of the year for Edward Cabrera. He's going to come in. He's going to do a relatively okay job against Washington Nationals. And just once again, no faith in you ought to know. I was willing to pretty much take anything of even money or better on the run line of the Miami Marlins, despite the fact that they are the home team in this spot. I think that they can win this game by multiple runs. Seeing them right around about a plus 115 on the run line, I'm going to be taking a shot there. And when it comes to this total, set it at an 8.8. Very high for this ballpark, but Washington Nationals are able to get on base and you ought to know. It's just getting shelled. So I'm looking at and over, and I'm looking at the fish on the run line. 905-906 on the bidding board. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing with the Philadelphia Phillies. What a dangerous, what is, is going to be on the bump... For The fills and Jason Alexander, no, not the comedian, is going to be on the bump for the Brewers. The Brewers are finding themselves anywhere between minus 107 and minus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the fills, it's anywhere between even money and minus 105. Eight and a half is your total over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And I did mind saying my total at 8.4. You do have a relatively rested Milwaukee Brewers bullpen that is going to have. Josh Hader, long Devin Williams out there in the bullpen, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, I do think that Ranger Suarez is going to be able to give you a relatively solid start, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under. You do take a look at Suarez. It's been a little bit of a rough year for him after he had a sub-2 ERA last season. You could tell that there were quite a few opponents that they didn't know what to expect from him. There's more tape out on him this year. He's got a 4.69 ERA. has really been the deficitiary of some bad fielding out there whenever he's been on the mound. That said, he has been giving up a little bit over four walks per nine innings, swing and miss stuff, right on eight punch outs per nine innings. And for Jason Alexander, this guy at the minor league level did not wind up getting great swing and miss stuff. Now, I will say, Command, it could be a little bit all over the place. Three walks in seven innings in his first start against the Chicago Cubs. I think that's going to be a little bit better. And he did, at the minor league level, do a solid job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, but not a lot special there. Reason why I'm banking on the Brewers here is because this Philadelphia Phillies bullpen has been terrible. You do have a pair of guys in Brad Hand and Corey Knebel that have been able to do a solid job, but when you wind up getting into some of these ancillary guys like a Christopher Sanchez, when you wind up throwing out there even someone like a James Norwood, it has been bad for them. I'm Juricic sure Familia has not been able to locate all season long and these are a pair of teams that may have been deal with some injuries. Now, to the credit of the Philadelphia Phillies, it really hasn't hurt Bryce Harper. He's been able to hit above a 300 double-digit amount of homers. They've been using him in the DH spot and Kyle Schwarber, even though he's sitting right around at 200, he's been able to do a good job of being able to go yard for this team all season long. He's been able to supply 14 home runs. They are without Mean Gene Segura, the former Milwaukee Brewer, though he's going to be out for quite a while. Bottom of the lineup has been able to do a relatively solid job for this team. Odoo Barrera is sitting at 270. You've had J to along with Alec Bowman, about 250 to a 265. Reese Hoskins needs to pick it up a little bit, but offense is not an issue for the Philadelphia Phillies. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, dealing with some injuries to William Thomas Long Thunder Renfro, they both have found themselves on the injured list. Omar Narvaez has been out as well, so that's been a little bit of an issue. Luis Arias has dealt with a little bit of an ailment, so throughout much of the series against the San Diego Padres, the only guy that was sitting right in the neighborhood of a 250, and he's sitting at 249. That'd be Rowdy Tillis. He has been able to give the team 10 home runs this season. you've been able to get a little bit more out of some of these ancillary guys. Tyrone Taylor hitting right around 230 for the team. Jace Peterson is in that neighborhood as well, but clearly it's been a little bit of an issue for the Brewers being able to get good, consistent hitting, but the pitching, it has been there. I think that Alexander could be able to hold down the fort. I think that this is a Brewers team that they get just enough from their offense, and with the Phillies just can't have a lot of faith with regards to this bullpen and Suarez has really regards the season, so I'm willing to lay up to a minus 117 here with the Brewers. I'm going to be taking them, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well as we move on to 907, 908 on the bang board. The New York Mets are going to be in the road face-off against the Slam Diego Padres. You Darvish is going to be going for the pods and Taiwan Walker is going to be on the bump for the Mets. The Mets are finding themselves as a little bit of an underdog in this pod, anywhere between plus 105 and plus 115. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the pods, it's anywhere between minus 121 and minus 125. 7.5 is your total. The over and the under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And with you, Darvish, I think that it's very important to take a look at him a little bit differently home to row because you take a look at him ever since he wound up getting acquired by San Diego last offseason. He's got an ERA that's more than two points lower at home than it is on the road, right around a three ERA at home, right around a 550 on the road. So that's big. I did wind up as a result, setting the Padres as a minus 143 favorite in this spot. So I'm going to be riding with them, Taiwan Walker been a guy that's had some pretty demonstrative home and road splits himself, especially with allowing home runs. You take a look at what he wound up doing during the 2021 season, and it was just a case in which he was giving up a couple too many home runs. As he had a 5.82 ERA and 14 starts on the road, 14 bombs, give it up in 68 innings, so and that's a big, giant issue. Opponents at 60 points higher off of him. Now, this year, home and road splits have been relatively equal, but he did wind up missing a few starts this year to begin the season, so that's a little bit of an issue. The Mets have a little bit of a leg up in terms of the bullpen. You have been able to have Drew Smith be able to give you some good innings. Edwin Diaz has been pretty trustworthy towards back half of games. And Colin Holderman has been actually able to give the team some good innings as well. Taylor Rogers starting to falter a little bit, but Deboe Chrismet is able to give you some relatively solid innings. And the Padres haven't needed to really go to the bullpen too much. Going into yesterday, Ten had their last 11 games. They got at least six innings out of the starter. And for the Padres, you do have out there in the middle of the line of Manny Machado, who's been terrific for this team. Hitting a three thirty three, Eric Hosmer. He's getting on base as well. Problem is, going into the game on Monday, you wind up having one guy outside of Hosmer and Machado. Hitting really above a two that that'd be Jorge Alfaro. But he did see Jake Cronenworth be able to pick it up over the weekend against the Milwaukee Brewers. He went deep twice in that series. Luke Voigt seems to be getting on base a little bit more. And for the Mets, this team leads the National League in terms of batting average. As a matter of fact, the entire MLB with Jeff McNeil hitting above a 300. Luis Galorme has been very solid as well. Brandon Nimmo, Sterling Marte, Pete Alonzo between a 270 and 285. And Alonso led the big leagues in home runs on the road last season. He has been able to supply 16 bombs thus far this season. So I do think that the Mets... Are going to be able to do a solid job. Will be able to put bat to ball in this spot. I did wind up as a result setting this total at a seven point seven. So I do think that there's going to be a few runs in this game at a seven and a half. I'm willing to go over, but I do think that Darvish is going to be able to deliver a good start as well. So want to lay up to about a minus one forty three here with the San Diego Padres, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well as we go to nine oh nine nine ten on the bang board. Got the Colorado Rockies in the road face off against the San Francisco Giants as one Carlos Rodon is going to be going for the San Francisco Giants. And got Edouard Marquez, who's going to be going for the Rockies. Rockies are underdogs of anywhere between plus 155 and plus 167. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Giants, it's anywhere between minus 177 and minus 197. Half is your total over and under, are both at minus 110. And set this at a minus 206 with Mr. Rodan. And I want to make my total eight, so I'm going to be taking a look at it over as well. And boy, we have seen... Quite a few overs recently in Major League Baseball. I've shaded up my numbers a little bit as a result. And you do take a look at Carlos Rodon. swing and miss stuff. Certainly has been there for him this season. 55 innings, 70 punch outs. got strikeouts per nine rate that is north of 11. Irma Marquez, it has been not necessarily there from this season with Irma Marquez. It has been a little bit of a rough season for him. You take a look at what he's done in his 10 starts thus far this season. He is posting up a 671 ERA, seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And it is a case in which he is struggling at home. He is struggling on the road. Guys are just hitting a very hard. 309 overall opponent's batting average, 689 road ERA, 664 home ERA. So, very, very tough. Now, all 11 of his home runs have come at home, but with that said, he's only pitched 15 and two thirds innings on the road thus far this season. And you do go back to the 2021 campaign, wound up having a 538 road ERA with 12 bombs given up in 77 innings. So, not going very well with that regard. And for the Rockies, that last team, with regards to bullpen ERA, it has been rough for all these guys. Lucas Gilbreth, who's got north of a 6 ERA, can do, and he's been out there. has been terrible. Carlos Deceves, nearly a 6 ERA. Justin Lawrence, a 5.50 ERA. And for the Rockies, they had about 45 to 50 points lower in terms of batting average on the road than they do at home. So, that's a big, giant issue when it comes to this team as well. You've got someone like CJ Cron, who he's been able to go deep 14 times as far this season. 10 of those have wound up coming at home. you got a lot of guys that just on the road in general. They have not been able to get much going. C.J. Crono, I mentioned a little bit earlier, 207 batting average on the road. Brendan Rodgers is sitting at 211 on the road. You've had your issues with guys like Sam Hilliard, all these ancillary pieces. They just do not wind up hitting away from Colorado. And then, take a look at the San Francisco Giants, and it's been the jock show. Jock Peterson, 13 home runs this far this season. He's been able to hit for right around a 270 and do have quite a few guys getting on base for this team. I mentioned Peterson. You were able to throw in there. Thario Estrada, Mikey Stromsky, all guys sitting between a 270 and a 280 for from there, you've got Wilmer Flores hitting right around 255 for this team. Whenever Luis Gonzalez has been out there, he's been a little bit of a platoon player. He's been hitting above a 300 as well. Now you've got Tommy LaSalle along with Evan LaGuardia in the fold. Now for the Giants, it also has been a little bit of a rough bullpen for them after being the only bullpen in the big leagues last season with a sub-3 ERA. They're in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, but Jarlon Garcia, you got to feel like he's going to be able to continue to be relatively solid along with Camillo DeVal, both of these guys sub-3-2 ERA's John Breba is been able to give you some good innings. Jose Alvarez, Jake McGee, they've had rough seasons. I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up, and I do think that this is going to be a relatively high-scoring game, just with the way that Marquez has been giving up runs in general. Carlos Rodon does wind up coming in in a little bit less than terrific form. He has now given up at least three runs in two out of his last four starts, giving up at least two runs in each out of his last five. So I'm going to be willing to take a look at it over in this spot with the Giants. I was willing to lay a very small price on the run line. Right now I'm finding this pretty much a plus 110 across the board I was willing to lay a minus 106. So looking at the Giants to be able to win by multiple runs taking a look at the run line and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. This next one is going to be the double dip. We're going to go 9 912 along with nine thirty one, nine thirty two on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians are going to be us to the Walker, Texas Rangers. In terms of game two, the originally scheduled game, it's going to be Taylor Hearn going for the Rangers and Connor Pilkington, who's going to be going for the Cleveland Guardians. Guardians are friend themselves between minus 128 and minus 135. Between a plus 110 to a plus 125 is your price on Texas with your total nine over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I'll do the next game after I wind up breaking down this first one, but that said in terms of the originally scheduled game, wound upsetting the Guardians at a minus 138, so I'm willing to lay the price with Phil Kington was a very highly touted guy coming out of Mississippi State, and thus far he's been able to do a relatively solid job for this Guardians bunch. You take a look at it, 265 ERA across 17 starts this season, the walks, and it's a little bit unsightly, a little bit north of 5 walks per 9 innings, but by and large he's been able to hold down the fort in his 3 starts, he has given up a combined 5 earned runs, but certainly could be a little bit worse with that regard if he's able to Locking on the command, young 24-year-old. He's going to be just fine, and his command, so better than that of Taylor Hearn. You take a look at Hearn. He has been giving up in terms of walks per nine innings right around 4.7. His strikeout stuff, right around eight, eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, not too bad, but it's also giving up nearly a home run and a half. Burn 9 innings, 548 ERA overall. Opponents starting at 295 off of him, which balloons to a 317 on the road. And on the road, is ERA is a 724 now. With the Rangers, they do back him up with a relatively solid bullpen, but we want to seeing that deteriorate a little bit last week. Brock Burke along Joe Barlow, these guys have been relatively solid. Both of these guys posting up a sub-2-4 ERA. Dennis Santana has been relatively solid for the team as well, but you got to feel like Matt Moore is going to start to regress as well. And we wind up seeing Matt Bush wind up not having a great series against Seattle. And then for the Guardians, Manuel Klaas. It's been absolutely filthy for this team. And de Los Santos has been able to give you some good innings. Nick Samlin has done a nice job being able to hold down the fort. And due to the rain out yesterday, these guys are going to be relatively fresh. And then you do take a look at the Guardians and... You've had Jose Ramirez be absolutely tremendous for the team. 14 bombs, 53 RBI. He's hitting at 290 for the And Buying them, guys are actually able to get on base. Stephen Kwan has been a little bit banged up, but he, Owen Miller, Josh Naylor, Miles Straw, and Andres Jimenez playing with a on base between a 329 and a 354 with Menace hitting above a 300 overall. Straw has been able to give you nine solo bases. Oscar Gonzalez in limited at bats. He's been hitting a 360 for this team. And then you take a look at the Texas Rangers and Marcus Simeon. All of a sudden, has been able to pick it up. He was at zero home runs in his first 40-plus games of the season. He's made about three bombs in his last 10, 12 games. So he's starting to pick it up a little bit with that regard. Still would like to see it go a little bit northward. Same with the batting averages of Adelis Garcia and Corey Seager. Both of these guys in that pocket of a 230. But a combined 21 home runs between these two gentlemen. You've got Cole Calhoun, I think about a 250 for this team. Jordan Heim is sort of in that pocket as well. Bottom of the line of White and the abundance and company. It's been a little bit rough there. So as a result in the originally scheduled game between Hearn and Pilkington, willing to go with the Guardians up to a minus 138. And I did wind up saying my total at a 9.2 at the 9. Taking a look at the over and then the game that wound up getting washed out yesterday that we're going to be seeing today. That is going to be game one of this double dip. That is 931-932 on the betting board. Cal Quantrill goes for the Guardians. 55 shades of John Gray is going to be on the bump for Texas. And when this was taken off the board, the Guardians were anywhere between minus 114 and minus 120 right around even money to plus one of five. So what you're finding on Texas with a total. In a lot of places, a nine and a half with the under at a minus 115. If you're finding a nine, your juice was between minus 120 and minus 125. I was looking at the under either way. I did wind up saying this total at an 8.3. John Gray coming off of a start of which you want up going seven innings. want to punch, you got a double-digit amount of guys against the Tampa Bay Rays. Bullpen just was unable to hold that up for him. Now, I will say throughout his career for John Gray, he's got an ERA that hovers right around a 4.5 whenever he does wind up playing away from career. His field as he wound up spending the first couple of years of his career with the Colorado Rockies. And then you do take a look at the flip side for Cal Quantrill in 23 out of his last 25 total appearances. is given up three runs or fewer. Does he to work on the walks a little bit over three walks for nine innings? That's been a little bit of a trouble spot for him and not necessarily a strikeout guy. 53 and two-thirds innings, 33 punch-outs, so right around six-inch strikeouts per nine innings, but a guy that does a solid job will be able to hold down the fort, and he has been working on those walks issues. Four walks, given up in his last four starts, pretty rock-solid there steady Eddie guy that I think is probably going to be able to deliver six innings once again, and that's probably going to be needed in this double dip with the Cleveland Guardians. So, when it comes to it, I'm probably going to be looking at the Guardians once again in this spot, as I said, Cal Quantrill. More around about a minus 145-ish favorite. So, I'm looking at the Guardians in both of these games. When it comes to Pokington versus Hearn, looking at the over of nine. When it comes to Quantrill versus Gray, looking at the under. So, hopefully you kept that nice, clean, and easy for you guys there. 913 and 14 on the bang board. New York Yankees, they are going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against the Minnesota Twins, Jameis and Tyon is going to be going for the New York Yankees. And for the Minnesota Twins, it is currently to be determined. I've currently got Bailey over as a starter, but this could easily be a bullpen game. Obviously, if it winds up being a bullpen game, it's going to be a little bit different than this. And if it winds up being a bullpen game, because I did wind up setting with Tyon versus Mr. Bailey over, the Yankees at a minus 128, I'd probably go to closer to minus 140, minus 145, depending upon the circumstance with what the Minnesota Twins wind up throwing out there, but that's sort of my mindset right now. And either way, whether it be a bullpen game or Bailey ober eight or less looking at an over, eight and a half or higher to the under. We were talking about this with our good friend Jake Asman, the pitching of the Yankees, and how solid it's been, and a big reason why it's been Jamison tie on 230 ERA thus far this season. And he's been able to do a very solid job here down the stretch and a 228 road ERA in the month of May. He wanted to make it five starts, tie on it. 201 ERA, first start in the month of June, eight innings, gives up just one run along the way. So this guy's been rock solid. He's given up just four home runs across, 10 starts at 58 and two-thirds innings. Swing and miss stuff has not been great thus far this year. Right around 7.5 strikeouts per nine innings, but he's got a walks per nine rate that is sub-one. That is absolutely terrific. And for Bailey Ober, always has been a guy that's done a solid job with the guards command last year. Wound up giving out right around two walks nine innings, And thus far this season has been a little bit banged up, but has been able to do a solid job, but be able to hold down the fort right around a 4-ish ERA, his strikeouts per 9 rate, that's right around 8 last year, It's given up right around 2 home runs per 9 innings, has addressed that very well, 2 bombs, give it up in 33 and 2 thirds innings, but... But it's a little bit of an issue here for the Minnesota Twins. Byron Buxton just has not been himself ever since he wound up coming off the injured list. T16 batting average overall for the season. He's got 12 home runs, but you take a look at what he's been able to do here in the last 30 days. 79 at-bats, just 3 home runs, hitting a buck 52 in the last 30 days. That is an issue. Now, Luis Arise. Has been nothing short of amazing. He said he got 358 for this bunch. He is right now one of your league leaders in terms of batting average. Gilberto Cestino has been able to get on base. Carlos Correa, 345 on base. Trevor Larnich, Nick Gordon, Max Kepler, along Kyle Garlick, I mean, between about a 250 to a 260. And has been Roxall and Gio Rochelle. It's been able to reach base as well. And then you do take a look at the New York Yankees. Aaron Judge has 21 home runs right now. To put this into perspective, the Detroit Tigers is a collective at 30. So, I mean, that shows how great of a season he's been able to give you. Anthony Rizzo, Glady Torres, they've combined for 23 home runs. Rizzo not hitting for a lot of average, but a 320 on base. Torres is sitting more like a 250 as a Canary Falefa sitting a 275. John Carlos Sand. He has been in and out of the fold for this Yankees team, but was able to return over the weekend against the Detroit Tigers. He's got a double digit amount of bombs, despite the fact that he has missed right around 10 or so games thus far this season. Josh Donaldson has been able to reach base along with Aaron Hicks, and Hicks has not been able to deliver a lot of at-bats or a lot of boom, but a 3.47 on base, along with our good friend Josh Donaldson, and then you take a look at this Yankees bullpen. They're without Jack Green, who wound up having Tommy John surgery, but Clay Holmes, sub-1 ERA, Wandy Peralta has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Clark Schmidt has been relatively trustworthy, as well and for the Minnesota Twins. They're dealing with an injury to Emilio Pagan. They've been without Odeokala Cull- for nearly the entirety of the season, Johan Duran, though, he leads the MLB in terms of. Pitches of north of 100 miles per hour. Giovanni Moran has not given up a run all season long. So if it is Ober versus Zion, when I'm saying the Yankees has a minus 128 favorite, eight or less looking over, eight and a half higher to the under end. If we wind up getting a bullpen game, probably closer to a minus 140, minus 145 on the Yankees, but it sort of depends on the circumstance there. 9.15, 9.16 on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays that They're facing off against the Kansas City Royals. Brad Thunder Keller is going to be going for the Royals, and Alec Manoa is going to be going for for The Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto is finding themselves a very solid favorite. You're finding them anywhere between minus 190 and minus 210. Meanwhile, with the Royals, it's anywhere between plus 160 and plus 190. Eight and a half is your total. Overs between a minus 110 and minus 115. And the under, that is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And when it comes to this spot, I needed a pretty hefty price to be able to take a shot here on the Royals of a plus 184. And you have gotten there with the Kansas City Royals, I swear, now, seeing a plus 190. I mean, Alec Manoa has been absolutely tremendous for this Toronto Blue Jays team. And it's a Blue Jays team that entering into Monday, this is a bunch that has been able to score at least four runs in 11 out of their last 12 games. I believe that they had won eight out of their last 11 games as well. But I think that we've went up a little bit too lofty, especially with this being a Blue Jays team that they're in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of bullpenny your eight. Julia Merriweather has been a hot mess for the team with North of a 5 year Trevor Richards, North of a 4 year Trent Thornton, Someone that is a little bit all over the place as well. You do take a look at Minoan. He is one of the more underrated starters in the big leagues, in my opinion. He has had a superb year. Swinging miss stuff is actually down from last season. He's getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings last year. That was north of twelve, but he's given up five home runs in sixty-three and two-thirds innings. Walks per nine rate is sub two. And for Brad Keller. The reason why he's having success this year, he's got his walks per nine rate down to right around about a 2.7, 2.8. In past years, this would be right around four, and with Keller, he's just so much better at home than he is on the road. He's given up two home runs at 33 and two-thirds innings at home, five bombs at 27 and a third innings on the road, and opponents, they're getting more than 100 points lower off of him at home than on the road. 243 home area, that is absolutely supreme, and for the Kansas City Royals, Bullpen has been an issue for this team. Joel Payam has actually been able to give you some relatively solid innings right around a 3-ish ERA, and I do think that Josh Shaman is going to be able to pick it up. He's got a three forty eight ERA, but you do take a look at things, and over the last 30 days, right around two fifty three ERA, so he's been able to hone it in a little bit more. Scott Barlow, Alberto Padeo Jr., these guys are able to do a relatively solid job, but you do take a look at this against the Royal Seaman. They need Salvador Perez to be able to start to pick it up. He did wind up having a pair of bombs in that series against the Houston Astros. That's a sign of things going in the right direction. Bobby Witt Jr. with Merrifield. Both of these guys are in a 224, but with Witt Merrifield over the last three days, hitting more like a 260. That's something that you do like to see. MJ Melendez is able to 27500 Osher, a little bit below that. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, all of a sudden this is an offense that is getting online. Blair girl Jr., George Springer. Both of these guys entered into Monday with between a 340 and a 350 on base and 11 home runs. Tiasco Hernandez, who wound up having a really cataclysmically bad start the season. All of a sudden, he's been able to pick it up over the last 15 days, entering into yesterday, hitting right around a 300. Alejandro Kirk has been able to hit a 300 as well, so I do think that there is going to be some offense in this game. I do think, though, that both of these pitchers are relatively rock solid. I think that Keller is going to be able to deliver a good performance at home. Do I think that the Blue Jays should be a pretty good favorite with Manoa going? Yes, but I think that we went a little bit too far here. One, to take the Royals at a plus 185 or greater, and semi-total is 7.7, so looking at the Royals and looking under as we go tonight, Nine seventeen, nine eighteen 17 on the board. The Seattle Mariners hit the road face-off against the Houston Astros. Justin Verlander is going to be going for the throws, and Chris Flexen is going to be on the bump for Seattle. Seattle's signing themselves as a very big underdog. Anywhere between plus 195 and plus 215. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Houston, it's anywhere between minus 230 and minus 245, with seven and half to 8 being your total on 7.5. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105 on the 8. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105 and If you're looking at the Astros on the run line, pretty much across the board, I am finding that being a minus 120, I was willing to lay up to a minus 132, and I made the Astros minus 237 on the money line. So I'm going to be willing to lay the run line here with Seattle, and the big reason why I do feel okay about laying this run line is because the Seattle bullpen, it has started to regress. They've been pretty league average this season after they were one of the top bullpens in the big leagues last season, which allowed them to be able to win all those one-run games, allowed them to be able to overcome that big run differential and very nearly make the postseason. As Chris Flexen, he is a guy that's typically able to give you a little bit of length, and in his last start against the Astros at home, he did wind up giving up just one run in seven innings, but the command has been lacking, unlike last season, right around three walks per 9 innings, his strikeouts per 9 rate still very unimpressive, right around 6 and a half, 7 strikeouts per 9 innings, and he's starting to give up the deep ball a little bit more as well right around a home run and a half per 9 innings meanwhile for Justin Verlander, he does wind up allowing a little bit too much hard contact right around 1.2 to 1.3 home runs per 9 innings, It's just a case of which the only thing that Justin Verlander winds up allowing is home runs, his hits per 9 rate that's hovering right around a 6-ish his strikeouts per 9, it's down 8 and a half strikeouts per 9 innings, but walks per 9 and hovers right around 2 and he's backed up by the number one bullpen in terms of the ERA in the big leagues. Ryan Stanek A1 ERA Rafael Montero is had his ERA ballooned right around it too. You've been able to have some good innings out of Ryan Presley who has formed himself into a nice closer, and then you take a look at the season Astros lineup, and it's still has Jose Altuve out there, a guy that's able to hit a 270, a guy that's able to give you some very good hard power. You've got Michael Brantley, who's been able to give you a 360 on base. Alex Bregman hitting just a 220 along Fioli, Gurriel, Gurriel not getting on base. Bregman is 335 on base. Jordan Alvarez, he has been able to do a very good job with the deep ball, nearly a 400 on base, 16 home runs going into yesterday. And for the Seattle Mariners, this team all of a sudden, has been able will put bat to ball themselves as Ty France. 400 on base. He's been able to supply over 35 RBI. Jesse Winker along with Suarez, Hino Suarez coming over from Cincinnati during the offseason. These guys have been able to do a solid job of being able to both supply some power and also be able to get on base. Winker only three home runs going into Monday but that said, Suarez is double digit amount of homers That leads the team. You've had Taylor Ramble, the up-and-coming prospect. He's been able to do a solid job, be able to reach base along J.P. Crawford as well. So I do think that's an interesting ordeal but hard to trust in a Seattle Mariners team, in which you've got Diego Castillo posting up north of a 6 ERA. They've got Ryan Borucki, who winds up coming in after he was a little bit of a failure with the Toronto Blue Jays. He had a north of 9 ERA. I think that that's going to regress a little bit, but Andres Munoz, Anthony Bachevich, both of these guys north of a 4-5 ERA as well. I do think that the Houston Astros are going to be able to take it to the Seattle Mariners in this spot, but I do think the Verlander going to be able to give a good start. I think that Flexit is going to be able to figure out the deep ball a little bit more, and for the Astros, by far, the top under team out there in the big leagues, I think that they're going to keep that going set this total at 7.3. I'm looking under and with that Houston, I'm going to be taking a look at them laying a run and a half on the run line. 919, 920 on the bank board. The LA Angels they're going to be playing us to the Boston Red Sox as Garrett Woodlock is going to be going for the Sox and to be determined is going to be on the bump for the LA Angels. So this is a game that is presently off the board, but When it comes to the Angels, I do think that you're going to be getting in this spot Reed Detmers. If we don't wind up getting Reed Detmers, this is subject to change. But if we do wind up getting Detmers versus Garrett Woodlock, I'd be studying the Boston Red Sox. As a very slight favorite here, I would set Woodlock as a minus 112 against Reed Detmers with a total of 8.6, meaning an 8.5 or less, looking at an over a 9 or higher to the underest. Detmers is in line to be able to start. He's not on the injured list as far as I'm seeing right now. His last start wanted coming on Thursday, so he's in line to be able to make the start. The big thing for Detmers is that he's just been all over the place. You take a look at his last five starts, wanted giving up three runs in one start. Next start, he winds up having that no-winner against the Tampa Bay Rays. And then after that, three and two-thirds innings gives up three runs to the Texas Rangers and then against the Rangers again gives up five runs in six innings and Four and a third against the New York Yankees wound up getting into some danger, but didn't allow any runs there. So, it's been all over the place with that regard. And not much of a swing and miss guy. 6.2 strikeouts per nine innings, 1.4 home runs, 2.8 walks per nine. So, it's not like he winds up doing anything overly impressive. And for Garrett Woodlock, as a starter, his starter's ERA is a little bit north of four right now. That is a little bit of an issue for this team. Keeps the ball in the yard, giving up a home run per nine innings, right around 2.2 walks, Per nine, So he's been able to do a solid job with regards to command and has actually been better on the road than at home this season. 220 road ERA giving up two home runs in 16 and a third innings with opponents hitting a buck 83 off of them. So that is solid. And for the Red Sox. Bullpen still does wind up having a few issues. You did wind up having Mr. Barnes wind up going on the injured list. Ryan Brasher he ends up in good, but Austin Davis has been able to post up right around a 2-ish ERA. Tanner Oak seems to be figuring it out as a little bit more of a long guy. It accounts to Sadamona has been able to give you a 3-ish ERA for the Angels. I mean, this bullpen has been absolutely terrible. It's been one of the worst ones out there in the big leagues. Archie Bradley has an ERA that's hovering right around 5. Aaron Loop is posting up north of a 4 ERA. Same for Ryan Tappara. You've got Rossi Iglesias. He's got nasty stuff, but over Ortega starting to regress a little bit as well. And for the Angels, it has been a little bit more of a banged up team recently with Taylor Ward, someone who's got well north of a 400 on base. He has been missing for quite a bit of time recently. Now you do have Jared Walsh Joey Otani being able to combine for 21 home runs. Both of these guys been able to do a solid job of reaching base. Walsh along with Max Sassi, Brandon Marsh, and Luis Hernadez on the starting lineup yesterday. In between a 253 to a 260, Otani, a more like a 245, Mike Trout. Trout has been in that funk. 0 oh, of 26 going into Monday. You've got to feel like he's going to be able to bust out of that. Matt Duffy's been able to above a 300, but you take a look at the Boston Red Sox. You've got your trio in the middle. That's been so good. Sandra Bogarts, JD Martinez, Rafael Devers. All in at least a 323 with Martinez. In a 353, Devers will give you a double digit amount of homers. Trevor Story. It was a little bit of a rough go of it for him to start the season, but over the last 28 days, he's been able to supply 25-plus RBI. So he's starting to figure it out. You've had Christian Vasquez be able to get 280 for the same. Franchi Cordero. So he's been able to give you some nice up bats as well. So this is a spot in which, if we do wind up getting Detmers versus Whitlock, willing to set the Red Sox as a minus-112 favorite, 8.5 or less, looking over 9 or higher to the under. If we wind up getting a bullpen game of the Angels, well, the Red Sox, they go up quite a bit, and... It would probably still be eight and a half for Leslie over, but if it's a really bad bullpen game, it might wind up going to nine. So subject to a little bit of change here as we wind up going to nine twenty-one, nine twenty two on the bang board. The Detroit Tigers set the to face off against the Pittsburgh Bears. Jose Kitana is going to be going for the Buckos, and Tariq Skubal is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Detroit, a very slight favorite in this spot. Anywhere between minus 114 and minus 120. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Pittsburgh, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 105 and plus 110. is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 130. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and plus 110. And when it comes to Skubal and company, I did wind up saying the Tigers as a minus 117 favorite. The minus 114 115. That's pretty much a max I'm willing to lay, but I am willing to lay that number when it comes to the Detroit Tigers. You've had Tariq Skubal be absolutely lights out for this team now. He's backed up by a lineup that is averaging, I'm not even kidding here, 2.05 runs per game on the road, but with Skubal, he's given up two home runs and 58 and two-thirds settings. Strikeouts per nine rate is right around nine and a half. Walks per nine rate is sub two. He has been a very steady Eddie guy, and he's backed up by a top five team. In terms of bullpen ERA. you have had Willie Peralta give you a sub-1 ERA. Alex Lang has been able to give you good innings all season long. Even someone like Jason Foley, one of their lesser bullpen guys, has been able to give you a 270. So, I mean, all these guys have been lights out. And for the Pirates, all but three of their wins have come out of the bullpen, but it's not necessarily been a great bullpen. Heath Embry has given up a lot of runs. Tyler Beattie is a long guy. He's got right around a 5-ish ERA. He's been better recently, but still a little bit of an issue. Chris Strand, he's got right around a 360 ERA. He's been, though. He's been able to do a solid job and Ricky Donna. 2.32 ERA thus far this season. Ever since coming over from Los Angeles, he has been really able to figure it out, giving up two earned runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts. And as a matter of fact, in his last five starts, he's given up a few unearned runs, but he's given up just four earned runs. Now, I will say he also was victim of five unearned runs in that time, and that shows you the Pittsburgh Pirates defense. But that's that said, this guy has been absolutely tremendous with opponents taking a 2.24 off of him at home. The problem for the Pittsburgh Pirates is that what are you going to be able to get out of this lineup as well? Cabrera has been able each base for you 290 betting average has been saw to michael chavis is sitting right around a 280 himself not a lot of power when it comes to seeing Brian Reynolds has been able to give you eight home runs, which that by far leads the team. Daniel Vogelback, along with Jack Swaznicki. Both of these guys have been able to give you six bombs. Both of these guys in between about a 230 to a 245, but you got a lot of less than stellar bats, like a Cole Tucker, whenever he's been out there, Jake Mariznyk, you're able to throw in there, Josh Van Meter, these guys hitting a 220 or lower have been an issue. And then you just take a look at the Detroit Tigers team. Allow me to share with you the guys that are hitting a two hundred or lower for the seam, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, You're able to throw in there Spencer Torkelson, Avi Baez, Eric Haas. I mean, once it goes on and on. Des Cameron avoids that list because he's now inning at 208. So, this is not great. Aero Castro, along with Willie Castro, these have been really your most consistent hitters all season long. And Miguel Cabrera, he's hitting at 300, but you've also got a Tigers team that they're stuck on 30 home runs through 54 games. And this is just deplorably bad with regards to the power. But with that said, Scubo has been able to do a great job lending great innings all season long. Jose Kitana, he's been relatively solid. I set my total at 6.8. I really don't think that either team is going to be getting past four in this spot. So, I'm going to be taking a look at this total honor. I think that the Tigers are going to be. Be able to pull out a very close win behind Scoogle and that bullpen. Won't allow up to a minus 117 here with the Tigers. So, look at Detroit and looking under. We go to my DK Nation pick of 923-924. The Chicago Cubs, they throw out. They're facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. Kyle Bradish is going to be going for the Royals. And Keegan Thompson is going to be on the bump for the Cubs. The Cubs are finding themselves as a very slight favorite in this spot. You're going to be finding them anywhere between a minus 117. 112, and a minus 104. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Baltimore, going to be finding them as high as a minus 110, as good as a plus 101, and 9 is your total. The over and the under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And the DK Nation pick here, that is going to be on the Chicago Cubs. I did wind up saying them as a favorite, more around a minus 132. So I am feeling very good about Keegan Thompson going into this start. Keegan Thompson wanted to begin the season as a little bit of a long guy out there in the bullpen. But you take a look at what he's been able to do. Both as a starter and a reliever. He's got a sub 2.5 ERA really in both roles and for Keegan Thompson he's got a buck 99 ERA overall this season. Home runs per 9 rate is a 0.6. Walks per 9 is right around a 2.8. Not necessarily a ton of swings and misses out of him but he's just been a steady Eddie guy who's got a 235 road ERA and has been able to do a solid job of be able to limit the contact in general with opponents at 222 off of him and this is a Baltimore Orioles lineup that they've had a tough time with regards their offense all season long. Each of the first 12 games of the season either went under the Total, or they wound up being a push. You have had Anthony Santander be able to give you nine home runs thus far this season. He's got a 330 on base, but seeing just a 220. Eight and I mean, that's pretty much a team average for them. They're inning as a collective a 227. You have had Trey Bubo Mancini, Austin awesome the Saves kid, both be able to get on base. Both of these guys are hitting above a 285. And then from there, Ryan Montcastle and Ryan McKenna both hitting right around 255. Near next best guys. And nobody else on this roster has taken a single bat all season long, hitting above a 236. Rodando Dora has been able to pick it up a little bit more recently. He's got six home runs this season. And you take a look at what he's been able to do over the last 15 days 255 batting average, four home runs. That's something that you do like to see, but I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression as well when it comes to this Baltimore Orioles bullpen, as Logan Gillespie right now posting up a sub-2 ERA, CNL Perez, same for him, I do like what you're able to get out of Felix Patiz and Keegan Aiken, right around two ERA as a long guy, but I just don't think that this is necessarily too sustainable with regards to Seaman, you take a look at Kyle Bradish, and he wound up having that very good start in St. Louis a few weeks ago, in which he wound up pitching seven innings, punched out 11, ever since then, he has given up four plus runs in three out of his last four starts, and he has given up at least one home run in each out of his last five. Not giving out a lot of free passes right around three blocks per nine innings, but it's a little bit of an issue when you're giving up right around two home runs per nine innings, and it's not necessarily ideal. Opponents are getting right around 11 hits per nine innings off of them as it's opponent's batting average that is at a 313 as well. And this is a Cubs team that they've been a little bit hot and cold with regards to their bats, but you do have guys being able to get on base for this team. Wilson Gutierrez, right around a 4 on base. He's been able to hit nine home runs. Patrick Wisdom, he's striking out a whole bunch, but he's been able to supply 12 bombs for the seam as well. And then on top of that, you had Ian Happy able to give you a 375 on base. Rafael Ortega, he's in that pocket as well. C.A. Suzuki has really cooled off. Ever since he wound up having his hard start of the season, and he's been a little bit banged up as well. But with that said, this is a team that now they wind up getting back Clint Frazier as well. So I do take a look at the Cubs. I do think that they should be a little bit more of a sizable favorite, which is why I did wind up making them the DK Nation pick, willing to take the Cubs on the money line. Did wind up saying the total at eight point three as well. The new dimensions out there at Camden Yards has affected these totals a little bit. So looking under and the DK Nation pick that is going to be on the Cubs nine twenty five nine twenty six on the bang board. The St. Louis Cardinals at third face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Jeffrey. Springs. Is going to be going for the Rays? And you've got Dakota Hudson. On the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis is finding themselves as an underdog in the spot. Anywhere to be plus 125 and plus 130. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rays, it's anywhere between minus 135 and minus 145. Seven half to 8 is your total. On the eight, the under is minus 120. The over is even. On the 7.5 over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105 and when it comes to the race, set them at a minus 140 in this spot. Right now, seeing a lot of minus 138, even a story 135 out there. That minus 140 number is the absolute max I'm willing to lay, but I am going to be willing to lay the money line with the race. Would rather take that rather than the run line. If you're taking a look at that right now, it's right in between about a plus 140 to a plus 145. I needed at least a plus 150 to be able to take a shot there. So, would rather look at the money line rather than the run line personally, because I do think that this is going to be a relatively tight game. to Dakota to has been one of the best ground ball pitchers in the big leagues over the last few years, but it's not much of a swing and miss guy, and he's a guy that allows a lot of walks as well. North of four walks per nine innings. His strikeouts for nine rate is right around a six. I feel like he's been really doing it smoke and mirrors. He's not a guy that's gonna blow you off the face of the earth and he's got 10 strikeouts in his last five starts. He has completed north of five innings in just one of them, and then you take a look at Jeffrey Springs. He began the season out there in the bullpen, and he's become a relatively reliable starter. In his last four starts, he has given up a combined four earned runs, ironically enough, all on solo home runs, but he's only given up five walks in his last five starts as well, and he's been able to do a nice job of being able to get some swings and misses, a little bit over nine strikeouts for nine innings, and he's backed up by a bullpen that they're just throwing BBs right now. As you got yourself, Ralph Garza Jr., who has a long guy. He is. actually actually been very superb. For this team, Jalen Beeks has a sub-2 ERA. Jason Adam, he's been able to supply a sub-1 ERA. Now, J.P. Fire Fireisen, he's currently on the injured list. That's a little bit of an issue, but someone like Colin Pooch, Brooks Raley, these guys have been able to give you some good innings all season long. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, you've had Genesis Guerrero be lengthened out. Him pitching four innings a few days ago probably rules him out. For this one though, Ryan Elsley, he's been able to give you a 42 ERA. Giovanni Gagos has been a little bit up and down, but he's been able to give you some good innings recently as well. And you do take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals lineup, and I absolutely love what I am seeing out of Paul Goldschmidt. His north of 20 game hit streak has all come to an end, but he's sitting at 343, 12 home runs for him. Nolan Arenado 350 on base, 10 bombs out of him. It is a St. Louis Cardinals team that's a collective. They're hitting right around 254. Tommy Edmond, he's been able to give you a 360 on base. You've been able to get a little bit of production as well out of Juan Yep, as he's sitting at 270, Nolan Gorman hitting above a 300. That's been rock on for the Tampa Bay race. It's been a little bit hot and cold for this team as you have had Juan Franco currently on the injured list. That hurts them, but you take a look at what Randy Orozarena has been able to do, and this is is a guy that it's really starting to heat up had a really rough start the season over the last 30 days. He's hitting a 293 with 6 home runs, so he has been able to find it in a big way. Mike Zanino is way down with regards to his power numbers from the season to go, but he was able to go deep in the team's previous series. That is something that is encouraging for this team. Yandy Diaz, he's been able to hit about a 282 with a 422 on base. Harold Ramirez sitting hitting a 285, Manuel Marco 370 on base, hitting above 300 as well. Power's been a little bit lacking with the Tampa Bay Rays, but with that said, this has been a team that's been able to do a relatively solid job. Will be able to draw a few walks to our team that they're going to take their swings and misses, but I do think that they're going to do a solid job against a guy in Dakota Hudson that he walks a bunch of guys, doesn't get a lot of swings and misses, won't lay up to a minus minus one forty year with the Tampa Bay Rays. And when it comes to the total, I did wind up setting it in this spot at an eight. So, I'm going to be taking a look at this total over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays as we go to 927, 928 on the bank board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing against the Oakland A's. Cole Irvin is going to be going for the A's and Kyle Wright on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta hopes to be Mr. Wright as anywhere between minus 210 and minus 230. Favorites mean Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Oakland, it's anywhere between plus 180 and plus 205 with 8 being your total over is minus 120 and the under is even wound up setting my total at a 7.8 in this spot. So I'm going to be taking a look at the 8 under and with Oakland, I was willing to take anything of pretty much a plus 205 or greater. We have gotten there. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Oakland A's in this spot because with Oakland, it certainly has been a team that they have not been able to get a lot of offense all season long. That is a little bit of an issue. And if you're taking a look at the run line in this spot as well with the Atlanta Braves, it's anywhere between a minus 110 to a minus 120. I was willing to lay up to a minus 112 here, especially the minus 115s. We've just gone up a little bit too lofty, in my opinion, on those. But when it comes to this Oakland A's team for Cole Irvin, Certainly has been interesting to be able to take a look at him as very much a pitch to contact guy. Just two point two walks per nine innings, but in strikeouts per nine rate, he's hovering right around a four point six. But this is a guy that's able to be relatively consistent, right around a two ninety six ERA. I will say he's got a five oh nine road ERA thus far the season. But you go back to the two thousand twenty one campaign, he wound up having an ERA of a four fifty seven on the road, three ninety at home. So you wound up having less demonstrative splits, and I think a lot of that is because it's a little bit more of a pitch to contact guy. And for Kyle, right. I've been impressed by him. A little bit over 10 strikeouts for 9 innings. He's giving you a 241 ERA. You take a look at what he's been able to do in Atlanta this season. And it's actually been worse than on the road. 270 home ERA. A little bit of a sub-2 road ERA. But he's done a great job keeping the ball in the yard in both formats. Giving up three home runs in 59 and two-thirds innings at home. The walks per 9 rate. A little bit north of 3. That does wind up being a little bit of an issue. And for the Atlanta Braves, they have been dealing with a few injuries when it comes to bullpen. Tyler Madsek being the biggest of them. But we've had A.J. Minter be able to do a solid job with this team. Dylan Lee has come in and he has yet to give up an earned run as a little bit of a twinning guy, Jackson Steven. He's been able to do a solid job and for the Oakland A's, we are starting to see really the unraveling of Danny Jimenez. He's got an ERA that's now north of a three, which is an issue Sam Maltin A.J. Puck. Both of these guys have been relatively trustworthy. Domingo Acevedo has been able to give you some solid innings and what I think is going to be big for the Oakland A's is just Ramon Laureano being able to pick it up because he wanted to beginning the year a little bit banged up and I believe that he was serving a little bit of a suspension as well, but take a look at what he's been able to do over the last 15 days. He's hitting at 341 now. Power is still very much lacking when it comes to so Oakland A-Team. 34 home runs in 56 games. That's just downright unacceptable. As right now, their team leader in home runs, that's a three-way tie with five. Seth Brown along with Sean Murphy and Chad Pinder, but... Bender has been able to hit right around a 250 for this team. Alvis is starting to pick it up a little bit. Jolden Noisy he has seen some massive regression with regards to this team. But I do think that they're going to start to pick it up a little bit. And for the Atlanta Braves, this has been a team that they are coming back from Coors Field, which is always a little bit awkward for teams. Now, the offense has really been able to pick it up. And Austin Riley has been able to do a very solid job for this team. 14 home runs. He's got right around a 340 on base, 265 batting average. William Contreras. Come out of nowhere, 380 on base. He's got seven home runs over the course of 72 at-bats. Matt Olson, he's been able to supply a 360 on base. Daisy Swanson has been a little bit lucky up there at the plate, but he's hitting a 275, but even though I do think that the Braves should be a pretty sizable favorite, I think that we went a little bit too far here. It's just a case in which it's too much a lay against a guy in Cole Irvin that is by no means going to be able to blow you away with regards to just a lightning quick fastball or anything like that, but it's a guy that is pretty steady Eddie. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Oakland A's getting a plus 205 or greater. When it comes to this total, I did wind up setting mine at a 7.8. So, looking at the 8 under, and we wrap things up with 929, 930 on the banging board, of the LA Dodgers. Nathan thread they're facing off against the Chicago White Sox. As Michael Kopak is going to be taking the mound for the Sox, and Mitch White is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are between minus 120 and minus 126 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Southsiders, siders any between plus 105 and plus 115 with 8.5 being your total. Under is minus 115 to minus 120. The overs any between even a minus 105. did wind up setting my total at any point, too. I'm looking at this total under with the Dodgers. They still have a top 5 team with regards to bullpen area because you do have a lot of weapons out there. Alex Vizia, Evan Phillips, these guys have been terrific. they now got David Price back in the bullpen. He has not necessarily been too terrific this season, but I think that he's gonna be able to pick it up a little bit. My big trepidation, and the reason why I wanted pretty much flipping this and made the White Sox a very slight favorite, is because when it comes to the Chicago White Sox team, You've had Michael Kopech be absolutely tremendous for the team. Now, last time out, it was not necessarily the world's greatest run of it for him. But you take a look at Kopech for the season: 2.20 ERA. He's given up two home runs and 45 innings. His walks per nine rate: 4.6. And it's not something that you'd like to see, but a 2.05 ERA at home opponents are getting a buck 49 off of him. He has been darn near unhittable with that regard. And this is an LA Dodgers team that the offense is still relatively solid, but they've had some struggles out there with these guys. Now, top three guys, no struggles here. Trade. Mookie bets Freddie Freeman. They're all hitting at least a 294. You've had Mookie bets. Give you 16 home runs at the leadoff spot. In my opinion, he should win MVP if the vote was conducted today. Edwin Rios he's sitting right around 245. He's a guy that's been able to give you a home run every about 12 or so at-bats, but Will Smith is sitting at 227. Justin Turner, right around at 220. Cody Bellinger, he continues to struggle for this team. Max Muncy has been banged up, and when he's been out there, he has not been too terrific. And you take a look at this White Sox team. They're starting to figure it out with regards to the bullpen. Kendall Graveman, along with Liam Hendricks, a top-five duo in terms of 8th and ninth inning. Guys up. That is good. Kyle Crick wound up being a little bit banged up towards the beginning of the season. Ever since he's come back, he has looked very good for this bunch. Now, if I had someone in Jose Ruiz not be able to figure it out, Aaron Bummer has had his ups and downs last few seasons, but he seems to be picking it up as well. Big thing for the White Sox is continuing to get a little bit of production out of Jose Abreu, who's right now leading the team with seven home runs. That's very unsightly with regards to the scene, but you take a look at Mr. Abreu sitting at 396 with a 491 on base over the last 15 days. So, he has Really been on a nice run recently. Now, yes, Bonnie Grandall. I figured that last year was a little bit lucky for him. Buck 63 batting average. That has been tough. Gavin Cheats is sitting at 206. AJ Pollock, Reese McGuire, these guys in right around a 220. So that's an issue. Eli Jimenez has been out of the full for much of the season, but Luis Robert, along with Andrew Vaughn, they're in between a 295 to a 300. Tim Anderson he has been dealing with a little bit of an ailment. He's currently on the injured list. That does wind up depleting the team a little bit, but with Mitch White, there's just no trusting him as a favorite on the road. 479 ERA. You just take a look at his starts, and he's been not necessarily so great. He has given up a combined six runs over the course of 11 and two-thirds innings. Um, He's not giving out necessarily a whole bunch of walks. His walks per nine rate, and it's hovering right in that pocket of about a 3.2 to a 3.3. His strikeouts per nine rate it's actually been solid, but he's just not able to really deliver a lot of length. He's won five innings or fewer in every one of his stints thus far. this season wound up having a couple moments of brightness in 2021. I'm just not convinced that this guy is ever really going to be becoming a Major League starter. As a result, I do want to saying Kopech by far the better pitcher when it comes to these two as a favorite. I'm willing to take the Chicago White Sox getting a little bit plus price. I do think that Kopech is going to be able to hold down this Dodgers lineup, so I'm going to be taking a look at an under, and I'm going to be taking a look at Chicago, and that will wrap things up. For the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family of podcasts. big thanks to our man Jake Asman out there in the great city of Houston. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like returning from this fine podcast the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM maybe it does not matter, size so per usual. Please just send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And from there, we'll find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.